What's good? This is Kelsey, founder and fearless leader of Dope. You are zoned in for an episode of Soberpreneur, a look at what happens when we deal with our past shit, talk openly about that shit, and go do other awesome shit. In today's episode, we get real with B, founder of The Difference. She's dedicated her life to shaking up the mental health care industry by providing access to licensed therapists with accessibility and immediacy that the industry has never seen before. She believes the mental strengthening tools found through therapy can really change the game. And if you already didn't think that, after this chat with B, you're going to be on board. All right, B, thank you so much for joining. Uh, you are a fellow Shark Tank survivor, and um, we've got the shared passion for mental awareness mental health awareness rather. Um, So thank you so much for joining me and happy mental health awareness month. It's our month. Happy mental (laughs) health awareness month. It's going to be May. (laughs) I know it's going to be May. How many did you get on May 1st? Because I feel like this year was particularly heavy. (laughs) We're almost bad. Everybody forgot until Maya showed up. So it's just a series of funny Okay. Oh man, <laughs> I'll send you a few. I had I had a few renditions that hit my inbox on May first. Oh um, yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. I was like, I forgot this was a meme. I usually do. You know, there's the Mean Girls one too, where it's like, oh, uh, yeah. like this is the best day ever, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's clean, whatever it is. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. We're so funny. <laughs> yeah. It's good stuff. But May is an awesome one. And honestly, like with everything going on in the world, it's like a time when mental health and mental health care couldn't be yeah. more critical. So um, your company, The Difference, is something I definitely want to talk about today. You guys are changing the game and trying to make it affordable and accessible, right? Um, yeah. Give me the scoop. What's What's the difference all about and how did it come to be? Yeah, so I've been a licensed mental health counselor for over 10 years, and I went to Columbia right here uptown in Harlem, New York, and I've been in the psychology technology space for the last nine, 10 years. So I we had one of the first online therapy companies. It was called Pretty Padded Room, uh, and our tagline was a nice place to go crazy, and yes, we were on Shark Take. It didn't go great, but <laughs> we really did help put the concept of online therapy in the mainstream and on the map. Um, And even though we didn't get a deal that day, the best thing to come out of it was um, just, again, people being able to have access. So that's kind of been my life's work. I really care a lot about affordable, accessible, easy mental health care. Because, you know, as we see now, like, everybody's losing their minds. And truth be told, we weren't going the right way anywhere. Um, Americans especially have like had very increasing rates of anxiety and depression for the last year. Suicide rates are going up with adolescents and in the elderly. So as we see with the run, everybody's just home and alone with their thoughts and all of this stuff, I think there's never been a better time to just make it easier to connect with someone on a bad day. And so with the difference, we're really trying to design a new mental health care experience. I think of it as mass market mental health, uh, whether or not you have health insurance, or you work for a company that has these amazing perks, you should still be able to talk to a therapist whenever you need one. Um, And so, yeah, we, um, the Shark Tank company didn't work out, but we learned a lot. And again, we were one of the pioneers in the space. Now there's a lot of different online therapy options. But um, when I created The Difference, 
um, everybody was kind of pivoting to text-based therapy. And to me, that's just like the most impersonal way to communicate. And therapy is such a personal conversation. Um, and I also noticed that everybody was pivoting to enterprise. I'm not going to shade any of the competitors because, you know, there's lots of different kinds of people. But to me, it's kind of like when you do corporate counseling, fine, I could sell to all of Uber, but Uber drivers would never be able to access this service. So I decided to go to market in the consumer space. We originally launched by building the very first Alexa skill for therapy. So we started with Amazon in 2018. Really great opportunity. I figured people talk to Alexa, people talk to therapists. It was like this perfect Venn diagram of opportunity. But that was 2018. Um, in 2019, she had a little bit of a different reputation around privacy. Um, so even though Amazon's been a great partner to me and on our end, like Alexa was just a receptionist. We take data privacy very seriously. We decided to just um, not be so platform dependent. So what the difference is basically just a hotline. You can log into our app. You choose what you want to talk about, you know, work stress, relationship problems, financial anxiety. We give you a pin, puts you in the queue. We connect you with a therapist in 30 minutes or less. And if you like that therapist, you can keep talking to them. Um, and we guarantee same day sessions for all. So that's the difference because we believe the right talk at the right time can make all the difference. <laughs> Nailed it. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Um, there's so many things I want to unpack there. I think it's really interesting. Um, the text-based stuff, for example, or, I mean, they have intermittent video chats. I used a platform uh, called Talkspace mm -hmm. um, previously. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, and honestly, I feel like one good thing is like, thank God that like the intersection of technology and mental health care is even happening at all. Yeah. You know, like so much has come out in the last few years, as you alluded to, and um, there's not going to be one way to rule them all. You know, like there's a lot of ways to consume Absolutely. television shows, just like there should be a lot of ways to consume and, uh, you know, integrate or engage with mental health care and like whatever that medium is that's great for you. Like maybe it's like sending carrier pigeons to your therapist. <laughs> maybe it's video conferencing. Maybe it's texting. But, you know, I think um, there is some awesomeness to like the personalization of how that works for you. So I'm just like stoked it all exists. And I really love that you um, made the delineation between a lot of tech companies creating solutions um, for those big, heavy hitting corporate clients mm -hmm. versus like trying to make something that is for the everyday person that needs it. And, you know, maybe they have healthcare, maybe they don't. But to be honest, even with someone who has healthcare, it took me like three months yeah. to even find a therapist. And that was by way of an introduction from another nonprofit that we work with through Dope. And I was like, oh, you're a therapist. Yeah. Like, do you know any in the area? Because like, literally, I have uh, United Healthcare. And I was like, going back mm -hmm. and forth with these people on the phone, trying to figure out like how I could actually find people that were under my plan. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, the costs are just crazy. I'm like, oh, well, I had this person back in California. Maybe I can mm -hmm. use her again. And they're like, oh, that'll be $250 a session. <laughs> like, right. What? So it's just nuts. so many needs for like, you know, at the quote unquote everyday person who's just trying to get some help. And the immediacy is like the last part I, I love about what you said that 30 minutes or less to get connected. You know, you think about folks like myself in recovery and mm -hmm. wanting to reach out and talk to someone if you're in a downswing and in a down moment and, you know, you are mm -hmm. 30 minutes or less away from, you know, mm -hmm. um, relapsing. And it's just, yeah, that kind of stuff is usually a can't wait kind of thing. It's like, oh, I finally found a therapist and it's two weeks till our first exactly. appointment. And that just doesn't work in, in how fast and mobile the things are today. 
And, and that's exactly it. We have therapy on its own, inarguably a valuable, necessary experience. But it once the insurance companies got involved, you know, it just got such a mess, you know, because yes, you should be able to talk to someone the same day. I mean, it's not just addicts in recovery, you know, at risk of relapse. You know, I've talked to veterans, you know, everyone's always like, oh yeah, go to the VA, go to the VA. My friend was telling me he was sitting in his car, you know, like with an instrument and like called and they were like, yeah, it's 45 days for an intake. You know, Mm -hmm. that's to me a crime, you know, and and it's so hard for therapists too, because we're locked out of this. It's, and whenever we go, it's so expensive, 250 an hour. We don't want to charge that much. We would much rather it be more democratized and evenly distributed. But because the opaque headache mess that is insurance makes you chase down like a $60 invoice for three or four months. Or I could just charge somebody two fifty, you know, an hour, and just make it self pay, and not have to deal with the paperwork. So yeah. therapists don't get to see the kind of clients that they would like to see. You can only serve rich people or people with disposable income, and therapists and users who should just be able to use their insurance are still locked out from getting access to therapists like that. So I'm just trying to make it the way this is supposed to be. I, I <laughs> nobody. I'm just here for the people. <laughs> this is the people's platform. I've been saying, you know, like every because everybody's left therapists out of the picture. You know, people don't think about how it's compensated. A lot of these people are doing charity work. I know PhDs who have so much student loan debt and like are making $50,000 a year. So it's not that there's a shortage. There's therapists that want to be out there. And so I'm trying to make therapists the new Kardashians. I always say I'm a therapy madam. I'm like trying to be the first <laughs> center of therapy. Like all of our therapists have amazing specializations. I promote their in-person practices. I just think it's time, you know, that we remove the mystery around mental health. We normalize it because it, it's such a, a good thing. It feels so good. You know, it's addictive when to try mm-hmm. it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, to anyone out there who's not on the therapy train yet, it's what's up. It's someone uh, <laughs> you don't have many people in your life you can just literally tell all of your problems to, and in many cases get helpful advice back. So, um, yeah, that that's pretty awesome. And I think um, it's an interesting barrier that's created. I mean, I guess this is even happening in the healthcare system, which is another larger portion to um, you know tap into. But yeah. it's like it's almost like created a monster because they Mm -hmm. they have to charge more because they're charging more and then demands up and this is up and you know it all just ends up uh getting to a point where it's unrealistic for people so um pretty cool that you guys are, are bringing this out and um i'd love to ask you know when you think mental health what does it mean to you and how has that changed um in your life Ooh, yeah, it's hard because, you know, I've seen the way people talk about the field, um, but I've also seen what the work does. You know, I think the what pe- the ideas that people have about therapy are, are so unfortunate because it's just two people in a room. You know, <laughs> we're practitioners just like everybody else. The only so I don't think the stigma is actually with therapy or therapists, I think or mental health. It doesn't mean anything. I think the stigma is with talking about bad things, you know. Americans in particular have a very active culture of avoidance. And so it's not the therapy, it's what prompted you to go, admitting you're struggling with something, admitting you don't know how to do something, you know? And I think that even in good points, I've had lawyers who have been like coming to therapy because they they don't like being attorneys anymore and they want to quit and start a band and they feel like they can't tell their colleagues or their family, you know, and they're struggling. This is real conflict that's valid, you know? And I think that for me, that's why I kind of stay away from the term mental health because it tends to get conflated with mental illness, you know, which makes people stay away. They're like, oh, well, I'm not that bad. My dad's not an alcoholic. You know, I'm not suicidal. But as we've seen, therapy should be a preventative measure, not a last ditch effort, you know? So 
on our platform, we actually, even though my title is actually a licensed mental health counselor, it's right there in the name, we actually refer to our services mental strength and stamina services. So all of our trainer, all of our therapists we refer to as trainers or MSTs. <laughs> so whether or not you're a PsyD, a PhD, an LMSW, all of ours are MSTs. So for me, it's more about skills training. You know, a lot of people mm-hmm. get burned out on therapy the first time because if it's one of those therapists who just lets you talk and talk and talk, without giving you the interventions, the insight, the guidance that you're looking for, you'll be like, well, what the fuck? I'm paying 250 just to like talk to myself. So with us, we really like to, you know, promote that we teach skills training, emotional endurance, resilience training, mood management, anger control, impulse control, you know, nonviolent communication in couples. We actually teach you things that will reduce stress ongoing and help you have a therapy voice in your head. So I really like to make it seem like a return on your investment. So like people think therapy is about problems, but it's about solutions. So I really want to speak to the change that happens, the difference you'll see in your life uh, after therapy. That's so awesome. Like action oriented and a great um, repositioning on it doesn't mean you have to have some dire problem. It's almost like the tools to be able to face what will come in a more productive manner. You know, like inevitably there's going to be another, oh, my God, everything's falling apart day, moment, week, month, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. And uh, yeah, being equipped to handle that when it comes is really critical. Uh, Another thing you talked about is like the psyche of just the American family and, Mm -hmm. you know, many shades of that, because there are some families who are very open about their emotions and how they're feeling. But then, you know, there are some where it's like, just pretend you're okay all the time. And let's not talk Mm -hmm. about the problems you have, which I've seen, you know, come to a head in people who have troubles with um, substance abuse and, you know, almost not being able to face or talk about it because their parents had shouted it so much or someone, you know, growing up with depression and having a family that was like, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine, don't cause a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we begin to even rework that, you know, as someone who you know, maybe in the next five years or so starts having a family? And, you know, mm-hmm. I just think about that all the time, like, how can I cultivate a relationship with my kids and within my family that's like, we talk about how we feel without, you know, I don't know, being overly emotional all the time. Is there some like balance? See, even that question, what's overly emotional? I know. I was just thinking <laughs> that. I'm like, what what would qualify as overly emotional? You're going to make me shift into therapy mode. <laughs> what that question tells me is that um, there's a, a cap, right? There should be a, a pre-agreed upon account of how much you're allowed to feel. Um, how much you're allowed to express pain when we all know that life is going to fuck you. I mean, you could have had that. So many people had perfect lives and like literally life will sit you on your ass. And so you should expect that there will be pain and challenges in life. And it should be normal. In fact, it would be weird if you didn't laugh. To the fact you would actually be a sociopath, you know, that's when you know it's the quiet ones. Yeah, because they don't have empathy or, or feelings or pain. It would be strange if you weren't sad during this time, if your body wasn't in shock. It would be strange if you were just like, oh, I guess I should be grateful after your mother dies, after you lose a friend to a disease. It would be weird, right? And, you know, Bob Marley said this, every emotion deserves equal respect. And if you don't honor those feelings, you can learn something from your anger. All anger does, actually, I'm going to leave this because I'm writing a book and my agent's going to be mad at me. But um, I feel really <laughs> strongly, and this is why I love being a therapist. This is why I'm so popular. I love talking about bad things because you only learn about people through bad things. You don't learn anybody about someone through good times. 
Like, you know, because everybody's on their best behavior, time of their Mm -hmm. life. You know, the way people go through tough things reveals their character, enhances and expands their character um, and their wisdom and strength. So for me, there is no limit on how much pain you can express to me, how much confusion you express to me. That's what I'm here for. You know, and I think that's why people should treat it as a formal relationship. Having a therapist really isn't just about having a paid friend. It's about having somebody who's going to hold a mirror to you, help you understand who you are, why you do the things you do and help you remove the patterns that are no longer working for you. Um, And if that's just an investment that every person, every American, especially did once a year, once every three years, like we would just have a happier, healthier society. Mm -hmm. So true. How, how do you do it? I know you're on the other side of this usually, but how do you check in with yourself or keep yourself centered? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because like I am a therapist, so I know the language, I know the theory. I myself have bipolar type two disorder. Um, the reason I came up with the difference is because in my last year of my last company, it was super painful. You know how it is when you have a company. It was like five years of my life. And, you know, I called the suicide mm-hmm. hotline four times in the last year of a uh, pretty padded room, which was then called in your corner. And I'm really lucky because I'm a therapist. So I know that my body didn't actually want to die. Just my mind wanted the problems to stop. You know, my heart wanted the pain to stop. Luckily, I have the presence of mind to know the difference and just call. And then also I'm prayed up. I'm really close to my family. I have a lot of really great entrepreneurial friends who understand my struggle. And I still didn't want to be a burden to someone. You know, mm-hmm. so this is the thing. Check in on your strong fence doesn't work. Sometimes you need a professional to talk you down. People can say the wrong things in moments of crisis. So I called. I mean, obviously, this is like my pitch now that I didn't know that. But at the time, I did call the suicide hotline four times. And every time I couldn't tell you what those people's names were. I couldn't tell you what state they were in. I can tell you who they voted for, but they talked me down like in, again, in 30 minutes or less. But once you get it out, once you get to crowd out, explain everything. And that's what we see in therapy too. That's why I recommend full 60 minute sessions. The first 20 minutes of your first session is you just dumping all that shit out. You are carrying so much stuff with you, not just the stuff that's on your mind in the present day, but your collective stuff, your parents' stuff, you know, your, your romantic stuff. And, and, and I just want to have a safe place for people to put it, you know, and, and store it mm-hmm. if they need to never come back for it. And yeah, so that's actually how I got the idea for the difference. And, and the way I deal with it is just being super honest about my pain, because then it doesn't stay with me. I really, yeah, I get it. I think like the scary part is when you're, you're lying to yourself. Um, I I think that, I think one of the most interesting things you just said is the, um, people you reach out to your network of mentors or family or friends, like they can say the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I, you know, we've all been in that situation where someone's come to us in a time of crisis and, you know, it's like a, Oh God, like, what is the right, you know, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a licensed therapist by any means. So I'm like, what is the right thing to say? And in those cases, I guess, would you recommend just trying to like usher your, your friend or or contact into getting some professional help? I think that would be the most agreeable response. Ideally, but it's unfortunate when people have said that, um, you know, it takes a lot to admit that to someone, you know, especially a close friend, you know, yeah, you don't want to offend them either, depending yeah. on the, the situation. Yeah, exactly. And if you know what they're going to through as well. And so it, it's a weird situation for both people, right? If me as a friend knows I'm not equipped, wasn't expecting it. The also the other part about our friends is that they love us, right? And also that they see things kind of like us. So if, if I tell my homegirl, oh my God, I just don't know, like work is kind of killing me and stuff. Well, she's like, oh no, but it's going okay. Like her immediate instinct is to comfort me not hear me out, not help me reframe the perspective, right? Certain kind of friends just kind of want to help you feel better, but I need to feel this pain. So 
So I love when they're, when friends have enough presence of mind to say, you know, like, I'm not equipped for this. You should talk to a professional, but it's really hard to talk to a professional. So this, we should actually do a package for like friends who don't know what to say um, and just send an anonymous gift card for therapy because, you know, who would turn that down? But yeah, you do have to, you know, really honor what the person, but also like it can, it can turn people off if you're like, oh, I don't know what to say. My mom used to do that. I'd call her crying and she'd be like, oh, do you want to talk to BJ? BJ's our family friend who's also a therapist. And I'm like, or you're my mom though. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> do you have anything to add? <laughs> it just be like, that sucks. You know, like a, a lot of it is comfort and reframing, you know, receiving it for the person in pain and reframing it to make sure that they'll be okay to handle it on their way out the door. Because of course they can face it. You know, like this is a pause. You have to face the world. You just have to get them right for the day. Um, so yeah, I hope it, with what we're doing with the difference, we can make it as easy as that. Yeah, that is so awesome. And I think it's an interesting thing about trying, like, those that just reframe or want to almost like the fix it mentality of like, you know, no, it's not a big deal. X, Y, and Z is why it's going to be totally fine. And you're just like, but I am sad and I just need to feel sad. (laughs) You know, I, I no cliches, but my, uh, you know, my dad and my, um, my husband both have that tendency sometimes where it's like, all the reasons why it's going to be fine. So slowly I've like been training, you know, my husband just like, just let me be sad. (laughs) Let me spill it out. Sometimes I just need to talk it through and, um, you know, not just be told it, it almost makes you feel on the receiving side that like it, your like pain or sadness isn't worthy of this moment. Like you're Mm -hmm. wasting your, your breath. Mm -hmm. And while I think there's like a healthy balance to, you know, anger or like any of those really harsh negative emotions, like there's probably a level of which that's, um, yeah, beneficial, uh, at least in my life. Um, yeah, sometimes you just, you just need to let it out. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's dismissive, you know, um, mm. it, not to make it gendered, but you know, I hope this doesn't sound okay. Cause I love men. Let me preface. I love men. I love men. <laughs> I love my well smell. I love your slim hips. I love men. So hear me out y'all. It is not your fault, but society has really done you a disservice. Our society, all societies, not just American societies, raise men to be simple and selfish and to let that function. Women are raised to be caring and complicated and so because women are criticized from early and, and are taught to um, consider and accommodate other people, not just men, but women and like the general collective, we have a wider range of emotion. And in general, fine, maybe men are stronger physically, but women do have a higher tolerance for emotional pain. And so we end up accommodating men. And that's why they don't know how to help us because they're just fixing things. Men can be very hyper logical, but emotion is illogical. It's completely illogical. Feelings are completely just at the mercy of your mood, the weather, whatever is going on. So I, I hope men can, you know, get a little bit more emotionally literate. That that would be the dream. <laughs> yeah, slowly but surely. I mean, I think um, Keep on them, things okay. have come a long way <laughs> with like societal acceptance of you know men seeming more vulnerable or showing mm-hmm. more emotion and. Yeah. I think there's some massive waves like underway in the last even just like two, three years. Um, And that goes for the whole mental health conversation. I'd love to know your take on how has that changed over the last few years? You've been working in the space for a while. And, you know, you mentioned the closure of the first company. I literally uh, can't imagine like the severe pain that that is because starting a company is like birthing a child. So Mm -hmm. I fully respect, um, you know, you being able to pull yourself up and go create something else incredible with what you learned. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'd love, love your take on that. 
Thank you so much. Yeah, it, it's really hard because like it really does feel like a I always say it's a mitzvah, but it's like my mission. Like, believe me, I wanted to just get a regular job after the company closed. You know, <laughs> honestly, after the mm-hmm. company closed, I cried on the exact same bed. I was in I I was in my apartment for ten years from twenty three to thirty three. Um, the last year of my company, I was paying payroll over paying rent. You know, so I got evicted. You know, and and like that yeah. was so painful. And I cried, cried, cried in the same bed that I cried in after Shark Tank didn't work out. And, and I say that because like this is not my choice, right? Like every time the call keep coming because people people always need a therapist recommendation i've been that in this space you know and, mm-hmm. and the calling kept coming you know literally after i did shark tank you know there's like what a four month lag time or something oh so long i know so and they're long. like every day is a reminder that you may not actually air like remember <laughs> that weekend you had where you went down you paid for all these props you stood in oh front of these God. billionaires and you almost died yeah we can't tell you if that's actually going to do anything yes for months <laughs> horrendous Yes, you're remembering everything you said, everything you should have said. Oh, yeah. I was having, like, nightmares. Oh, my God, you can't sleep. It's terrible. And I'm just literally, like, six weeks where I was just, if I was awake, I was, like, crying about it or journaling my comebacks, (laughs) you know? And and, and finally, after six weeks. (laughs) That's awesome. Journaling my comebacks. We had made a meme because, like, in one part, I fake cried. And I was like, oh, God, they're going to show that on it. So we were already preparing memes. Like, when you run out of your cookie dough, like, this is (laughs) Trying to make spins for it. I'm like, did I just cry on national television? (laughs) Oh, girl, I cried and then some. Oh, my God, it was terrible. But you know what? <laughs> After the pain subsides, I was like in that same bed where I cried all my tears. And I was like, I still want to do it, you know, because as alone as I am, like, I wish I could just pick up a phone and have somebody tell me it's going to be okay. And every yeah. time I get out like, of bed. Like, made it even more worthwhile. Exactly. I'm so connected to the mission. A lot of people, like, start it because they think it's a good idea. Mental health is hot right now. I am very committed to solving both sides of the marketplace. Mental health is so hot right now. So hot right now. <laughs> that'll be our clip for this i hope so i hope ben stiller sees this or hears this that's awesome (laughs) but i'm so glad to see the progress you know like like i said like just like you said with with competitors you know there's so many different kinds of people in this world and there's so many different ways to do therapy so i'm here for it you know it's for me it's all about collaboration versus competition also i know orin and ronnie i know alon at better health the teledoc team we all came up together seven cups so i'm just so glad to see the team because yeah i started 10 years ago i came with the idea 10 years ago but even five years ago you know i'd be talking to colleges i'd be talking to really big like ad agencies and legal firms um, providing um, on-site therapy. And even then people would be like, but don't tell anybody, you know, like obviously nobody mm-hmm. going to an IV would need therapy. So just keep it on the low. This was just five years ago, you know, yeah. a very like, you know, progressive time just by, so now where people I think what happened is that it's undeniable like we've avoided talking about mental health for so long we don't know how to talk about it but you can't deny that everybody just feels shitty now you know I mean I have my I mean, basically I just think it's like overindulgence and, and and essentially truthfully you can time it back to when um all of our social went mobile like once it went when Facebook went on our phone and, and they designed it mm. if it was over um as yeah. far as our emotional capacity to deal with you know, in-person communication, which we actually need for our mental health, touch, all that stuff, mm-hmm. connectivity, like the, it, it's a, that's what we feel right now with everybody having this Zoom exhaustion that people keep talking about. It's because mm-hmm. we're not connecting with humans and, and humans are still animals and we're tribal creatures. We need each other. We need touch. We need community. And what social was doing to us, what fucking Netflix was doing to us was giving us connectivity without intimacy. So I think- Yeah, almost have- like this mask- 
Yes, it's a it's a sugar it's a like it's Splenda, right? It's a sugar. Mm-hmm. It's not sugar. Ugh. Exactly. Splenda. Exactly. Actually, I like. <laughs> can't it. trust that. No, you can't trust Splenda. Equals all right, but it's still not sugar. It's still not. <laughs> it's not that molasses. Yeah. So yeah, we need more people. We need more human connection and and a lot more empathy and love. Yeah, yeah. I think it's incredible how much um, easier it's gotten to talk about. Like when I first launched Dope for Hope and was like, you know, we need to break the stigma around mental health and addiction recovery. I was so sick of like, you know, even the questions that got framed around being sober and like, oh, was I worried how um, someone had asked me like if I was worried to tell potential investors, like if that would turn turn investors away. And I'm like, we just have to change the game here. Like, this is not a negative thing. And, you know, talking about mental health or, you know, for those um, dealing with a mental illness, it just shouldn't be so freaking scary. And I think it's uh, very cool to see 2020 and feel like it's a much more accepted and rallied behind conversation. But I'm never too long to remember that um, the rest of the country isn't all the same. I have definitely like bubble syndrome having lived in SF for so long Mm -hmm. that a lot of the um, just like overall psyche thoughts that I would have were kind of like, yeah, remnants of what others around me thought. So I think there's still plenty of work to do. Yeah. Lots, very cultural and family to family, like we talked about. So I'm um, in the black community and thank God for Taraji P. Henson. She started the shout outs of Taraji. She started a, a nonprofit for her named in her father last year, um, who was a vet and struggled with addiction. And, and it was specifically for communities of color. Cause you're right. Like, you know, black people, actually I would say most immigrant families are taught to, you know, keep your business in the house, you know, mm-hmm. or if you're a relig- from a religious mm-hmm. family, especially if it's a shame-based religion, just pray about it tell God and keep it to yourself. (laughs) It's like, what's the point of having people if I have to talk to God? Um, And and even in the South girl, because you know, my train, my therapists are all over the country. And some of them, like I have one therapist who's American, but she lives in Israel. And just even regionally, like she's in Tennessee and she's like, even for moving from Florida to Tennessee, she was saying that like, yeah, people here think like therapy is for nasty women or secretly gay people, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Super old school, like views of it. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't express yourself. Keep it. Just be normal and keep your head down and never, ever feel bad about things, I guess, is what it's supposed to be. Good luck. (laughs) Let me know if they find the secret for that. Um, Well, they try to to anybody mindfulness, but it's really hard to meditate as it turns out. (laughs) So difficult. And I was just going to ask that leads in pretty well, like to anybody out there listening, what's kind of the best piece of advice you have or Um, you know, something they could take away. It's Mental Health Awareness Month. If they wanted to try and make some mental strengthening uh, action go down, as you mentioned, what would be like some quick actionable takeaways for folks listening? Ooh, okay. So I'm going to give my general advice and I'm going to give my COVID specific advice. So um, I will start with the Rona reality first. Um, Yeah, please stay off the news. Please keep sleep. Always, always, always sleep with your phone outside of the room always. Um, just because we're staring at screens so much at the, the best challenge we can get out of this is to get sick of screens. So don't sleep with your phone in the room. It's bad for your vision, all sorts of stuff. Um, and then I'll also say to that extent, cause I know people feel like they need to stay engaged. I'm giving you permission and I'm a licensed professional. Don't sue me, but you are allowed to live in a, a limited state of denial right now. <laughs> just, you know, if you paid attention to all that stuff that's going, you're going to get overwhelmed. You're going to get into to fear. And, and as we know, anxiety is always related to uncertainty. So 
So in order to minimize that for yourself, just don't give in to anything that's going to give you a feeling of your your loss of your locus of control. Um, finally, allow, so that's the COVID specific advice. Um, but in general, I would just say really make room for all your emotions. The, the, the more you resist them, the more they return. You know, we're very stubborn animals. So just kind of allow it. Like the more, if you're just having a bad day, really just allow it. And, and you'll see the next day, it's like a seesaw, like you'll be up the next day. So really just be gentle with yourself through this time. Make friends with time. It's officially an illusion. Like what is time? <laughs> so you know, <laughs> as much as you can, just be gentle with yourself. Nobody knows what's going to happen. This has never happened in any of our lifetimes. So don't, you know, feel the need to just listen to everybody. You know, just write it out. It's all about staying alive and like keeping your head strong. If you don't keep your mind on the long game, you won't have a long game. So yeah, hundred percent. And I think the the news thing, I, I tend to always feel like this, like I'm a one toe in, like one toe out, just part for that I'm so busy running dope that I don't have time to read a ton <laughs> of news. But also for that mental health side, like I, mm-hmm. I feel like somewhat uh, like pretty strong on the empath side when I read things mm-hmm. or like dark articles and um, like, oh man, I've been, this is kind of a tangent, but I've been lately seeing I don't know why, but Instagram serving up like a lot of mothers who are like losing their child at a young age or like lost them at birth. It's like mm. big thing with like a few large influencers on Instagram that have recently gone through that. And I'm like drained, like so sad yeah. reading it. And like, I'm feeling so hard for these moms and like, I haven't even had a kid and I, I'm just yeah. like crushed. And part of me is like, you know, realizing, man, I need to like, you get a choice of what you want to take in every day. And I need to start um, separating it a little bit because like, you just personally, emotionally need to check in and say like, is this good to add to my, you know, daily bucket here of feelings and things I already have going on. And it's like that with the news where you're you're just pounded every day with all the sadness and death. And, uh, you know, that goes beyond COVID. It's, it's, Mm pretty much what gets clicks in the news. So um, being sure that you're like honing that in in the right way. Like I do a lot of business news, like shout out to the morning brew. Uh, (laughs) We we worked with them recently and ran an ad in their um, newsletter because I I love the newsletter. It's like very just fact focused, very Mm -hmm. business like news and stuff. So those kind of things, like find stuff that's good for you. Maybe Mm -hmm. there's some newsletter of like awesome recipes you like or something like that rather than the like, you know, CNN or Fox headlines, whatever your, your fancy yeah. yeah, I mean, where it's and one thing mindfulness teaches us is intention, right? How do you want to feel? And attention, like, are you paying attention to things that make you want to feel that way? You know, so mm-hmm. you'll start to notice, like, you know, when I, I I was literally just like sweeping my house this morning, and I just heard of some fucked up. You know, I was domestic violence counselor before I that was my last job before I started the, the company, and um, obviously I'm just terrified thinking about anybody who's stuck in a situation, yeah. you know, not just domestic violence situation, but the kids, you know, having to see stuff, and you know, especially here mm-hmm. in New York, our apartments are mad small, or even just people who have been unhappy in their relationships trapped at home that's like I'm surprised those stories haven't been coming out and my mind just started spinning and I literally heard the birds chirping that's how and I was like whoa like that's how what it sounded like just like a cacophony of just birds just attacking my mind yeah and all you can do who does that help you know, like it's, we say the same thing at therapy. We have to be strong for each other. This is a collective after this. We have to be brave because it's just like in therapy. It can't, th- th- what's the point of both of us are just sitting there sad. You know what I mean? Like I'm yeah. anybody who has like the privilege of having peace. Cause honestly, like anybody who's working for still working, you know, 
at least needed to slow down. And if you have perspective to even be able to think about other people who might have it harder than you, you are in a really blessed position and you are the kind of person who needs to make it to the other side to solve these wrongs because like capitalism Mm -hmm. has been exposed. So there's definitely room for improvement in the new world. Um, And I think starting with cultural, more collective empathy. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, you and all the work you're doing it is amazing. And I'm very happy that we had you on here today. I, you. One last question for you would be, uh, what legacy do you hope to leave behind? All the work that you're doing and, you know, many moons from now, what do you hope people remember about B? Oh, this is a great question because we're working hard for this launch. Uh, May 15th, by the way, if you're not on the wait list, I go to the difference.co, the difference.co. And um, yeah, my legacy. I mean, when I started, I remember I just said to myself, well, you know, I want to be part of the future of the field. You know, I want to be part of the future. Mm-hmm. Of the field. But now that I'm 10 years in and I've really got to see it change and, and really just continue to be close to the ground and see what the people need and what therapists need. I, I want to be not just a part of the future field. I want to form the, the future of this industry. There's a lot of things. Um I have so many plans and, you know, and not just for, you know, the industry itself regarding insurance and group employee benefits, but also just how people talk to each other with um, not just emotional intelligence, but emotional literacy. We really want to remove the mystery around mental, around mental health. I really want to blow up the DSM. Um, I have a lot of issues <laughs> with the diagnostic, you know, which is the Bible uh-huh. psychology. Um, you know, being gay used to be in the DSM. Being trans, I think, is still in the DSM. Being a woman, they used to get, put you in jail when you're on your period, you know, because, you know, four dudes decided what was too emotional. So mm-hmm. I really want to change the way we talk about feelings. I want to change the conversation about what therapy is and whom it's for. And truthfully, long term, I want to blow up our industry. If if humans were better able to take care of each other, my industry doesn't need to exist. So I hope overall that the difference makes for a happier, healthier society. <laughs> So awesome. So awesome. Well, um, we're on track this month to make a little bit of an impact. So thank you for being a part of our mental health awareness series on Soberpreneur. And um, just, yeah, shout out for this month overall. If you go to Dope's Instagram on Mondays uh, this month, everyone can join in on a chance to win some free cookie dough by taking part in some mental health uh, activities, mental strengthening. I'm going to start using your (laughs) your terminology. Yeah. yeah. So some fun (laughs) stuff there. And we are also donating um, double the donation to a local mental health nonprofit that we work with. Um, on Mondays. So Mental Health Mondays this month are a big deal at Dope on Instagram. Um, where can people get a hold of you? And by the way, you dropped uh, this massive bomb that you're writing a book. So should people <laughs> look out for a book? And where do they find you and all that good stuff? Oh, my God, that's a thing. I mean, I've been lucky, you know, just I've been like banging this drum for 10 years. So luckily, the you know, the, all the seeds I've planted are, are finally blooming. But um, I've been saying it's like a terrible time, but it feels like it's it's our time. So I'm really grateful for all mm-hmm. the opportunities, the difference. I'm really excited, like, working on this for two years so we'll be launching live at the difference.co i haven't updated my website in a while but i will do soon it's brthertherapy.com um i always say if you can't love me at my insta you can't love me at my linkedin so please follow me on insta it's bbarthur and on twitter uh where, where i probably spend way too much time i'm brthur lmhc for licensed mental health counselor Amazing. Uh, If you guys missed any of that, I will put her (laughs) links in the description. Um, But yeah, so great to have you as a friend and just a partner in what we're trying to do um, in this space. So thanks for everything you're working on and 
I'm very happy to have another uh, homie in my pocket here. <laughs> Aw, thank you, girl. Thank you yeah. for everything you're doing for all the community in recovery. I appreciate you so much in your work, and thanks for having me. Whoa, thanks for listening to that whole podcast. You rock. All right, we hope you're leaving here today with even a smidge more inspiration than when you showed up. If you did, my job is done here. Subscribe to our podcast, follow us at Eat Dope, and if you're craving some cookie dough, and I mean, when are you not, order at dope.com. It's D-O-U-G-H-P.com, and use code SOBERPODCAST for 10% off. Have a dope day.